0: We will begin the sermon with the reading from Jeremiah 18, verse 1 through 6. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel, but but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Thank you, Ethan, for that reading. Uh, let's uh, catch up a little bit here. Hi, Kenna. Kenna's here. Uh, She just wanted me to announce her, not you, Brent. So, (laughs) Kenna Tackett, would you just raise your hand? This is Kenna. There we go. We we do this so that you will have a chance to greet and meet these new people. Over the years, people have said, we have new people, but I don't know where they are, and I don't see them. Well, she's right there. So, um, you know, get to know her. I appreciate Jordan telling us that, you know, there's stats, but it's really all about stories. And one of those pictures made me think of the story. I've got another story that actually fits in with the sermon today, but this one is just one that needs to be told because it was, uh, for me, it was a moment where I felt that I was there to do this. Kayla Pipkins was with a, um, she was with a woman named Margie. You may have seen Margie there. She had the, uh, the 2017 glasses on and Margie had difficulty speaking because of uh, uh, because of, of her disability, and so she came around, and they would come around here, and they would get their crowns, and they would you know we had Miss Teen Arkansas USA, and we had Sergeant uh, uh, David Wilkes from the Air Force there, and they were you know important people giving them crowns. And then you had me and the shoe shine crew right over there, right next to them. We were just shining shoes. We didn't do any of the women's shoes. This was, this was for the men. The women had the hair and the makeup. But Margie said that she wanted her shoes shined. And, uh, and, and Kayla told me this. And not only did she want her shoes shined, but she had Nikes on. I don't know how to shine Nikes but I and and they were beautiful they were black and they had a purple stripe on them purple laces and so I I just said you know I don't really know how to shine these but I tell you what I'm gonna brush off that plastic there so that it's just as shiny as that pink and and I I it was I felt I felt like I was doing something very important for a royal person when I was able to take that shoe shine brush brush off those tennis shoes and then, you know, taking each foot in my hand and then just say, there you are, you know. And I said, I can't make it any better, but it's better already. You're ready to go. Those are the kind of stories that came out of this event. And what I really appreciate about this, this congregation and all of our friends, there wasn't one single erg of energy that went into doing something for us. See that banner up there? Making disciples for Jesus. Notice that second line. Who are eager to serve others. That was in action Friday night. Pray with me. Father, I ask that you would make us into beautiful things. That you will take whatever is warped and broken and crooked in our lives. Maybe what we don't even see. And that you will turn it towards your purposes. Teach us to be eager to serve others and to find the joy in that. And that in risking and losing like that, in serving others, we don't lose anything, but we gain so much. Father, help us to understand that day by day. You are the potter. We are the clay. Let us be pliable in your hands. May this congregation be yours to shape into whatever use you want it shaped into and forgive us when we resist and when we kick back and when we are stubborn and unpliable. Keep working with us, God, because we want to be the vessel that you intend for us to be. In the name of Christ, amen. So this verse that, that Ethan read to us in Jeremiah 18 it's an image that is so simple and yet so powerful. The image of the potter and the clay. For Jeremiah, it's it's an everyday scene. This isn't... As if God told Jeremiah, hey, I want you to go up to the special artist community where the people have these long beards and they wear uh, natural fiber clothes and they sit around making pottery all the time uh, because they were tired of the rat race in the city and they wanted to go live out there. That's what we tend to think of when it comes to pottery. I went to art school. I can say those things. And so, you know, and I remember there was always the pottery and the ceramics over here. I had no idea what was going on in there. I was over here drawing and what little I had to do with sculpture, I didn't understand it. My sculpture teacher would just tell me he would say I am not the teacher, the nature is the teacher. Go and learn from the nature. Nature is your teacher. And I'm like, I'm not writing these bills to the nature. I keep writing these bills to your university. And and, and I didn't understand any of this. But for Jeremiah, he doesn't have to worry about that. For Jeremiah, this is like going down to the shop, going down to the factory. The potter is someone in the community who's just making everyday things for everyday use. Spoons, bowls, uh, little vases, just whatever it is, glasses, cups, whatever he can make out of clay that becomes a useful item. That's what he's doing. So Jeremiah is just downtown, and he's going to check out what the potter's making. And as he's watching the potter do his work, he's turning that lump of clay into something useful and maybe even something beautiful. But as it goes around on the wheel, maybe one side's thicker than the other, one side's too thin, and all of a sudden it all flops and falls apart. And so what does the potter do? He just pounds it back into a lump, and he gets the wheel going again, and he reshapes it one more time over and over until he gets it where he wants it to be this image shows up you see what i mean it's so simple but it's so powerful to watch that potter making something out of what is nothing more than a big old pile of of lumpy wet dirt and this image shows up again it'll show up in uh, isaiah Isaiah, it shows up in Isaiah 45, and it shows up in Isaiah 64. It even shows up in Isaiah 29. Here's the simplest version of it, Isaiah 64, 8. We're the clay. You are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. And you can go deep into this image, and what is it saying? It's saying that God is sovereign. It's saying that God can shape nations however he wants. It's saying that God will build up and God will tear down. Okay. But at its core, it just means God is the one who shapes, and we are the ones who are shaped. And every prophet and apostle that uses this image will put their own. Uh, they'll put their own spin on it. See what I did there, Potter Potter wheel spin. You like that? I, I just I just came up with that one anyway. The uh, but they'll put their own little touch on this, their own little meaning. So when when Paul, for example, comes up in Romans nine and he says. Will what is molded say to the one who molds it, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one object for special use and another for ordinary use? It's a rhetorical question. Uh, Has the potter no right over the clay? And, And you're hearing Paul say this and you say, Of course he does. The clay can't say anything. It's ridiculous for the clay to be talking back to the potter and saying, Hey, hey, I'm a vase. Make me into a vase potter says, clay doesn't talk, number one, but the potter is the one that chooses what the lump of clay will become. And so Paul's saying, you know, he can turn it into some ornate vase that's going to be right there in the main entryway of the house, and maybe it's going to hold the freshest flowers, or maybe it's just a waste bucket over here. But they each have their use, and they each matter. Paul's point is God will determine the use and God will make it all work together. Um, Paul, by the way, this this imagery is so vivid and so meaningful that writers outside the Bible or writers close to the Bible will use it. Uh, If you get some of those little extra books, books of the Bible stuck in between Old Testament and New Testament, they're sometimes called the Apocrypha, uh, they, they, there's one called the Book of Wisdom. Now, there's the Wisdom of Ben Sirach. That's different. This is just the Book of Wisdom. Paul must have been reading Book of Wisdom. It's about a hundred years before Paul. He says the Book of Wisdom says, "As the potter needs the soft earth and laboriously molds each vessel for our service, fashioning out of the same clay both the vessels that serve clean uses and those of contrary uses." making them all, making them all alike. But which shall be the use of each one of them, the worker in the clay decides. Same clay, same process, but it is the potter that shapes the clay into the purposes that he intends. This is the meaning of this image. But it finds its fullest expression, I think, in jeremiah 18 because in jeremiah 18 you have this image you know if you search for images on pottery and you see oh just the most elaborate things that people create interesting objects unique i mean there's so much skill that goes into it i I am i am kind of envious of what people can do with that and how they can just take a lump of dirt and turn it into something beautiful just like the song we sang but you don't get too many images of this. You you have to look to search for this, okay? And this is what happens, I guess, if the wheel's too fast or the clay's not right or it's too wet. It just falls apart into a mess. And so you have to Push it back together again and turn it back into a solid lump and knead it back together again and remake it. That is what Jeremiah is seeing at the potter's house, and this is the specific point of Jeremiah's potter house lesson, is that notice in verse four, he says, "Whenever the pot that the potter was working on turned out badly." As sometimes happens when you're working with clay. In other words, if Jeremiah was down there watching the potter do his work all day long, he's going to see quite a few moments like this where, oh, well, didn't quite turn out right. Push the clay back together, remold it. It right, doesn't turn out right again. Just keep pushing the clay back together. And Jeremiah must be noticing that the potter is actually patient, he's intentional. He knows what he wants to make out of this lump of clay. He's intentional, but he's also patient. The potter would simply start over and use that same clay to make another pot. Think about that. Potter doesn't blame the clay. This clay's no good, can't do anything with it. Throw it out. That's his material. He's going to work with it, he's going to do something with it. And if it's not fit for one thing, he's going to make it fit for something else. Sometimes this potter and clay image is used to say that you know, God doesn't care. He's going to do with you whatever he wants. It doesn't matter, good or bad, you just accept it. Here in Jeremiah, he's saying more than that. He's saying that God is intentional and God can work in each and every one of us and in all of us no matter what happens because sometimes the clay turns out badly. What does this mean? for our growing season what does this mean for us as a church what does this mean for us as individuals spiritual growth is sometimes called spiritual formation and i like that because it points to the fact that spiritual development and spiritual growth is not just a matter about knowing things Sometimes we look at it as information. Information is certainly important. We do need information. We spend a lot of time in this church trying to inform you of activities and events and things you need to do. But that is not the end. That's the means to the end. We want to inform you of those things so that you can make the best use of those opportunities so that you can become more like Christ. And so that you can encourage others to become more like like christ sometimes we think that being spiritual is about having more information sometimes we we may think that that being spiritual is more about um, conform conformity and conforming to a certain standard of things that's fine too and it has its place but only if it develops the inward person In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus mentions the law and what people would have known. And he said, you've heard it said, do not murder. He says, I'm going to take you a step further and say, don't be angry. This is how Jesus raises the standards. It's not just the external behavior, but it's the internal disposition that's connected to that external behavior that matters. What the potter and the clay image reminds us of is sin deforms us. Sin has come into the world and it has marred, it has deformed the good creation. Everything about the creation in Genesis 1 and 2 is good. There is no little corner in creation set aside where God puts sin in a box and says, now here's the poison, we don't want it to leak out. No, everything is good. But sin is nothing in and of itself, it's simply the warping of that which was good. And when you meet sinful people, because we're all sinners, we've all been deformed in some way by sin. Sometimes it shows, sometimes it doesn't. As Brent was telling us, it's one of those things that we have often been afraid to admit to. And I'll tell you, I think there's a spectrum. On the one hand, I don't think we need to be exhibitionist about it and talk about all of our sins. Sometimes, I remember people, you know... I got to say this, Rick, you probably remember this. I remember going to these little youth functions back when I was young, you know, and uh, you know, probably when you were just getting started out, you know, and Noah had just gotten off that ark and all of that, you know, and, so, you know, and, and he was like, well, we got to start. So there's Rick and I back in those old days. But I remember they'd get these guys up there, and they, and they would tell us, you know, why certain music was evil and all this. And I used to think, man, I didn't know that. I'm going to have to go to these youth events and find out just what mu- music really is wicked because I didn't know it until I went there. And sometimes you'd hear these crazy stories and I'd think, man, I didn't know things were that bad. But I'm at a spiritual event hearing that. I think sometimes we can go too far with the naming of sin. And yet at the same time, we can go too far with never acknowledging it and we put on a front and we act like none of us are affected. And it sets up a standard. It sets up an artificial culture where we tend to think, well... Certain people are more righteous than I am. Certain people are more important. This is what I loved about seeing the glimpse of the kingdom at the night to shine. Because the thing that I know about myself is that I've got some spiritual deformities. And it's really tough when people say, oh, but you're the pastor, you're the preacher, you're the minister, you're the man of God. Hey, I got two legs, and I put my pants on one leg at a time, okay? I mean, it's, it's, I don't see myself that way, and some of you don't, and that's good, and just keep that to yourselves, but for anybody else who does, I'm going to tell you I'm just part of the club like you, and my real concern here is not how you see me. My real concern is how you see yourself. Because just as we were trying to tell people on Friday night that they are the creation of God and God loves them, I don't want any of you to walk out of here any Sunday, any day, and say, well, yes, but I'm so broken and I'm so spiritually deformed that God's given up on me, that God can't do anything with me, or I'm somehow uh, insufficient to be what God wants me to be. Folks, that's the language of Satan That's the work of the accuser telling you who you are. Now, are you going to listen to Him or are you going to yield to the potter who will do with your life what He intends to do? God forms us. He shapes us. And as you go through your list of reasons why you can't do this or can't do that, and by the way, I want you to know, standing up here behind this pulpit is not the end-all and be-all of spirituality. You have not arrived when you come up here. Okay, We don't want everybody up here. We want everybody out in the world living the kingdom life in front of other people, doing whatever it is that God has shaped you to do. And don't think that you've been so broken that God can't work with you. That patient potter sits there at the wheel and he just keeps reforming that clay and that clay eventually becomes pliable. So I'm asking you, don't give up on God even if you've given up on yourself. God forms us and shapes us as he sees fit. Patiently, but purposefully. You see that word about formation in Galatians 419 Christ formed in you Paul knew that that was the goal that the maker can remake us that the maker can take us from wherever we were and remake us think of Paul himself he had all the credentials of a super zealot follower of God Oh, he had the right training, he had the right education, he came from the right family. But Paul followed a religion that said, I will kill you for the sake of my God. And then he was reformed so that he saw that the way of Christ was, I will die for you for the sake of my God. That's a huge transformation. Talk about being reshaped at the potter's wheel. The maker can remake anyone. He can remake any of us. He can remake any church. God's a creator, and he creates creatively. You know, I see that creative spirit in humanity. One of the things that I always enjoy seeing are people taking found objects or trash and turning it into something. Look at there. It's still giving light, that old light bulb. I, I'm going to do this one because it involves fire. And uh, i got to do that. Uh, there's one that I don't think I'll do. That's just creepy. And, uh, but, you know, somebody had an old pair of boots and a messed up pair of jeans and did something with it. That is just a simple one. This one reminds me of the song that we sang, God makes beautiful things out of the dirt. Dirt, trash, old paper rolls, and yet you can get life out of the middle of it. I think that image shows us what's really at work in in spiritual formation in this growing season. I want to remind you that God God can work perfectly purposefully and patiently in your life and with this congregation and 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 don't ever give up because god uh, you know we talk about going with the flow god is able to go with the mold he is not not i know that sounds bad i'm not talking about bread mold i'm talking about the molding i mean if god you know we think that sometimes we challenge god oh god can't do much with me you just wait you just wait If we can do creative stuff with junk and trash, then think about what God can do in this world. No matter how difficult the situation may seem, no matter how challenging it may seem, we tend to look at our limitations, we tend to look at the things that we can't do, we tend to look at the mistakes we've made, and we get negative. And God says, I'm going to shape this into something for my purposes no matter what. And that story is seen over and over again in Scripture and in our lives, if we will let it be. I want to ask you to uh, stand now, and if you want to give your life to the Creator so that He can shape it into His purposes, we'll be here to talk to you and pray with you. There will be elders here and in room 100. Let's sing.